Well, did you have a good Christmas? Well, I'm here today to announce that it's over and done with. No more Christmas. And for some of you, it's post-Christmas depression. In fact, for some of you, you didn't even have to wait for today. It started after lunch on Christmas Day when you realized you had to wash all those dishes you just ate off of. <clears throat> so Christmas is done. Isn't that encouraging? Um, for some people, they don't even need to wait for post-Christmas depression to be negative. It just seems like they're negative all the time. There's little recognition of good. And it seems like they are hyper aware of anything that they consider to be bad. I was thinking this week that complaining has become a type of art form. It's almost like we look at, um, we look at it as a spiritual gift to be able to pick out what's wrong and never see anything that's right or encouraging in life. People complain about everything. Uh, these are the things that people complained about this week to me. They complain about the weather. <clears throat> In a very short time span, people complained that it was too cold. I don't know who would ever have done that. All right, it was me. Um, they complain that it's too cold. Other people complain that it's too warm. They complain that there's not, there's not enough snow. The other people complain that we have any snow. They complain about the weather. They complain about taxes. They complain about the government. They complain about the service they're going to get at the restaurant they eat lunch at today, and that's before they even went there. They complain about everything. And I know that these things are first world problems, most of the things we complain about. And somebody's going to say, yeah, well, Pastor Chris, we live in a first world. I know that, but is our first world problems really that bad? Think about it. Not too long ago, I pulled into the drive through line at McDonald's because I wanted a drink. And I waited two minutes at the little stand there, the ATM. I consider it's an ATM because they're supposed to kick out stuff to me. But I waited for two minutes. And I said, that's it, I'm done. I drove around, I pulled up, I parked and went inside because I figured it's got to be faster inside. As I'm standing inside waiting for them to give me my drink, I watched the car that was behind me drive off. I know you've never done that. We, we open our refrigerator, which is packed full of leftovers from Christmas, and we complain loudly and vehemently there's nothing to eat. Or you got up this morning and you thought, I've got nothing to wear, even though you got clothes for Christmas so much that your closets, which are overflowing, have now made stacks in your bedroom. And you complain that you have nothing to wear nothing good to eat. All of this stuff is really reflective of the fact that we don't pay too much attention to the amazing blessings we really have. On a day-by-day -day basis, God has blessed us, and we just don't see it. Um, <clears throat> we have been looking over the month of December, with one little exception last Sunday, we've been looking at the idea of how can we live more positively in a world that is rampant with negativity. And this morning, I want to look at the one thing that I believe is probably the greatest determiner of our attitude 
on a positive level in the world, and that is this. I want to talk about how we can live grateful, how we can have gratitude in our hearts that changes us from having a negative outlook to a positive outlook. So if you would, could you open up to Luke chapter 17? Luke chapter 17. And I want to begin reading at verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11. Luke 17, 11 says this. Now it happened as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. Now, how many people in this account had leprosy? How many? Ten. Okay, keep that in your mind. Verse 13. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, it would be easy just to go on and read the account. You've read the account yourself probably many times. But I don't know how many of you have actually even looked into what leprosy is and what it was like, especially in their time period. You go into the Old Testament, specifically into Leviticus 13, and it tells you a little bit about what life was like for a leper. Under the Levitical code, a leper had to rip their clothes so that anyone from a distance could see there is something terribly wrong with you. They had to shave their head, and they had to cover their mouth with a cloth at all times so that when they breathed, they couldn't breathe out the germs of leprosy. And when they saw people coming towards them from a distance, they had to cry out loudly, unclean, unclean. That that was just daily life for a leper in the time of Jesus. They had sores on their body that just oozed all over the place. They, they didn't know what it was to have human contact. No hugs, no touches of any kind whatsoever. They lived in communes where they were set off from the rest of the people and people would come if they had family and they would leave food on the edge of it and then they would leave and their family member who had leprosy would come and perhaps get the food. But for many of them, they had no one. One of the interesting things about leprosy is it actually would cause your extremities, your fingers, your hands, your arms, your feet, your toes, to lose all feeling. There are accounts of lepers who would lay in their beds at night and have rats chew off their toes without feeling it because they had no feelings at all. So that when these lepers, how many were there again? When these lepers cried out to Jesus, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy upon us. This wasn't just like a passing thing like, I've got a headache. Could you maybe touch it? If you you get a chance, if you think about it, that would be nice. This was like life or death to these guys. This was everything to them. And they had heard through the grapevine, something had passed through the community, that Jesus had the power to heal anything. And they cried out and said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy upon us. Look at verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, how many lepers were there? How many went? Ten. How many were cleansed or healed? Ten. Okay, keep that in your mind. All of them were healed. Verse 15. And one of them, how many? One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he 
was the Samaritan. Now, 10 of them had leprosy. 10 of them were told by Jesus to go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, before they even got there, they were all 10 of them healed. But only one came back to give thanks. What I want to do over the next just a couple of minutes is give you three things about gratitude, ways that we can develop an attitude of gratitude, if you would, that would help us to live more positively in this world. Number one, I'm just going to go through them fast. I don't want to take real long. We've heard this kind of thing before. But I do think that as we're looking at 2019, we're coming up upon that new year, I think it behooves us to live life a little bit differently than the rest of those people around us who can live so negatively. Uh, I was in Walmart, I think it was Walmart recently. I think it was Walmart. And a woman came up to me, and she was standing next to me, you know, too close, in my space. And I thought, you know, what's the deal? And so I step away, and she moved up a little bit closer. And I thought, what is with this woman? And finally she said, are you Pastor Chris? And I thought, uh-oh. Who did what? I said, yeah, yeah, I am. She goes, I am one of Marion Miller's caretakers. I said, oh. She goes, I was at your church when you baptized her. I said, that scared me to death, I got to tell you. That scared me. I mean, when we're baptizing people, I love baptism. But when we're talking about baptizing a woman of that age, I'm like, I want every hand on deck to make sure she's safe every moment of the time. I'm, I'm talking about, I, I don't even know how old Marion is today. I think she's like 93 or something like that. Yeah. Right, and it's just like, it was scary. So I said, I said that to the lady. She goes, I love your church. I love Marion. And then she said this. She is so positive all the time. I think that's a great testimony to have at 93, don't you? Don't you wish that was be... If somebody said your name, don't you wish that the first thing that came into their mind is you are so positive? Not so negative, not so complaining, not so wise and astute that you can pick apart all that's wrong in the world, but that you live life positively. So three things I want to give you really quickly about this idea of developing an attitude of gratitude. How do we do it? Number one, I think we have to recognize and testify daily that every good thing I have comes from God. I think that'll be first. God is good to us. Um, when I think about, by the way, James says in James 1.17, some of you guys will remember this, every good and perfect gift cometh down from where? Above, from God. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from God. Every good thing you have is a gift from God. And so when I think about this idea of uh, gratitude or its sister characteristic contentment. This might shock you, but I actually think about my 95-year-old mother-in-law. She, some of you probably don't know her. Uh, her name is Mephis Myowin Edwards. Uh, she's Myowin? Myowin? Say it. Moyowin. I'll never get it. It's Welsh, you know. I never say the names right. They, they got weird accents over there. Um, but when you go down to see her, I, I will often, like on Monday nights, we go grocery shopping, and I'll get groceries, and I'll take it down, and I'll put them in her refrigerator, in her cupboard, and things like that, things that she wants. And I'll say to her, so how are you doing? And she'll look at me, and she'll say, same as always. I'm fine. I said, 
Any news? Anything new? No, it's the same old, same old. I said, but you're okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. But one of the things that struck me is I was talking to her maybe a week or two ago. Kayrin was away, and so I went down to just check on her, and I was sitting. And I asked her questions, just trying to kind of stir her memory. And I'll ask her questions about what it was like for her growing up. I mean, she grew up in a town where in the whole town, in the whole town, there was one phone. And if you needed to make a call or somebody needed to call you, there was only one phone in the whole town. They didn't have a bathroom in their house. If you wanted to go to the bathroom, which some of us have to once in a while, if you wanted to do that, you had to walk down this lengthy path to the back of their property where they had an outhouse. No matter what the weather was, if, it doesn't matter what time of the night it was. I don't know about you, but at my age, I find that I sleep far less than I used to in terms of stretches of time because I get up. Like last night, you get up five times a night. Well, if you want to get up in the night, you go down the path to the outhouse. When she and her husband, we, we talked about this a little bit, when she and her husband got married, it was during World War II. So they didn't have some sort of fancy meeting room that they had their big wedding in or anything like that. They didn't have a fancy four-tier wedding cake. The best that they could do was ask friends and family if they could borrow rations from them so they could have a little bit of meat for a wedding kind of dinner that they wanted to have. But in the midst of all of that, even though with all the stuff that she went through, she lives life so grateful for everything that she has, the care that Karen gives to her. Now, maybe your life was even worse than that. Maybe your life was more fraught with challenges. But the truth is, you're here. God has taken care of you. He's been good to you. If you think about it from the, sake, from the, the aspect rather of your spirituality, the truth is, the Scripture says every one of us were dead in our sins. We had no hope of life whatsoever. But God came and he rescued us from our sins. He saved us. He brought us back to life. That's something to live grateful for every single day of your life, that your sins are forgiven and that you have relationship with God. When you look at Scripture, one of the things that was struck me uh, as I was thinking about this week is everything that God puts upon your plate, everything that God gives you to do, he supplies all that you need to do it. So like God tells Noah... I'm going to flood the earth and you're going to build an ark that's going to save you and your family and these animals. But then he gives them a plan and gives them skill and gives them all of the work that he needs to get that done. I thought about all the different ones. God told the Israelites, I want to take you into the promised land. I want you to leave Egypt. But then he leads them through Moses. He gives them a cloud of fire to keep them warm at night. He gives them a cloud by day to keep them cool and to give them direction. He gives David stones in order to defeat Goliath. He gives Mary a life within her womb that's going to birth the Son of God who would ultimately save Mary and save the entire world. All of these are things that God gives because he cares about us. God gave us everything according to first, Second Peter 1.3, everything that we need for life and for godliness. I want you to just take a moment, if you would, close your eyes. Think about what God has given you. Maybe even over just this Christmas. Did you get together with somebody? Did you have family, friends? Did you eat? In fact, how many of you came away saying, oh, I ate too much? Think about the goodness of God to you. 
And the truth is, if you lived every single day aware of that, that changes your mindset. That changes your attitude. You can open your eyes. I just want you to live aware of the fact that God is good to you. God will never be not good. God is always good to his people. He's always kind to us. So that when we look at our lives, we have a choice. We can say things that, you know, maybe aren't the best. Challenges that we all face. But the truth is, even in the challenges, God gives us his presence. That he goes with us. He doesn't send us. He doesn't ask anything of us. He does not provide the grace for. So number one, the first thing is to recognize that every good thing that you have comes from God. Number two, we need to recognize and testify daily that I will not let what I want rob me of gratitude for what I have. I won't let what I want, what I see with my eyes that I'm desiring, I'm not going to let that rob me of the blessing and gratitude for what I have. People want so many different things. Um, My wife uh, asked me, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago, what do you want for Christmas? And I told her, I don't need anything. I'm fine. Uh, In fact, there was only one thing that I wanted. One thing. I said, could you get me a new pair? set of nose trimmer, nose hair trimmer. That's all I wanted. Mine died. That's all I needed. I got clothes. I don't need more clothes. I don't have room. I want more clothes. Don't want more anything. I'm fine the way I am. Well, the reality is, when you look at the advertisements that went around, uh, it's just like the world wants to create within us this thing that desires more all the time. That what we have is never good enough. Um, Ecclesiastes 6.9 says this, Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaninglessness, like chasing the wind. Another translation says it this way, Better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. It's better to enjoy what God has put right in front of you that you can see with your eyes than to look down the road wishing for something you don't have. When we adopt an attitude of gratitude, it turns what we have into enough. That, by the way, is a quote, almost direct quote, from Psychology Today. Let me read it again. When we adopt an attitude of gratitude, it turns what we have into enough. Harvard Health Publishing, which does the medical journals, gives an account of several studies that attest to this truth. This is what they came to after doing this study. It's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. They wanted to assess what makes people happy over a period of years. So they did a study of, I think it was something like 20, 30 years, something like that. It was a lengthy period of time. Wanting to determine what makes people happy. And they came to the conclusion that people who are the happiest are the people who are the most grateful. It's not looking down the road for what you wished for. What do you have? Most of us, if we're admitting it, we've probably had three meals a day for a while. Some of us, four or five. We eat just fine. We have clothes that we wear. Uh, I, I, I don't know, maybe some of you guys saw it. I had a friend of mine, uh, Joe Jansen, uh, who is a great preacher. He really is. But he talked about, uh, he had a picture 
where he was standing up front ready to preach one Sunday in a church where he was the guest. And when he stood up front, he looked down at his shoes and all of a sudden realized he had on two different pair of shoes. They were both brown, they were both similar, but they were different. Now, in my mind, I had this thought immediately, and I actually wrote it to him, I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, I wrote, and I said, you know, if you only had one pair of brown shoes, you would never have this problem. But we have so much that we don't even recognize, that we don't give thanks for. If you think about it, most of us have cars that we drive. We have houses that we live in. We have heat in our house. We have hot water. We have running water. All those things that you take for granted all over the place. Um, Some of us have aches and pains, but we're able to get up and around. We have phones. I was thinking about this just recently. We have phones that back in the day, some of you guys will remember this old space explorer by the name of Flash Gordon. Some of you guys remember that. I remember seeing Flash Gordon, and you would send away for getting this little walkie-talkie thing that you could talk to your friends with, and it was so cool because it could do so much. Well, our phones today can do so much more than all of that. They're like mini computers. We have so much that God has given us with. Some of us have even traveled this year whether for vacation, just to get away, or a mission trip, or for work. We've traveled around the world and been able to see so much. Gratitude turns what you have into enough. It's a choice to recognize that every good gift I have comes from God, and I'm going to be satisfied with what God has given me. Paul says in Philippians 4, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, That's to be brought low. I also know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul's secret to a life of enough is basically to stop window shopping. Stop looking at everything around you and wishing you could have that newest, latest thing. Got to have the newest car. Our house is just fine the way it is. We bought the house. We love the house. But after just a couple of years, we see a friend bought a different kind of house. We thought, yeah, I think we need to move. We need to get a new house. Our house is no longer good enough the way it is. Our car is no longer good enough. And pretty soon we buy into the world's mindset that what we have is not good enough. It's being willing to recognize that every good gift I have from comes from God. And number two, I will not let what I want rob me of the blessing of what I have. And then number three, I choose to turn every blessing I have into praise. Um, I am convinced that if we don't do this, if we don't not only recognize that every good thing we have comes from God, but we offer it as part of our worship, then the opposite becomes true. It becomes an issue of pride. We think we deserve it because I worked for it. It's mine. I worked hard for it. There was a time in my life when uh, if somebody had asked me something, I would have said, no one gives me anything. I work for it. I work hard for it. Without any realization in my heart and mind of the goodness of God that even gave me breath to breathe and strength to work or the ability to keep that job. Every good thing I have comes from God, but it has to turn back into praise. The psalmist says this in Psalm 63, I will bless you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. At last, having done that, I shall be fully satisfied. I will praise you with great joy. Now let me ask you, 
Have you ever been in a situation that in one moment of time, something happens that changes your perspective of everything? Um, years ago, it would have been probably 33, 34 years ago now, um, I was asked to teach a class at Elam. Uh, we were living in Sterling, New York, but they'd asked me to come back and to teach a class at Elam. I was under a lot of pressure because I'd never done that before. You know, these are Elam students. You feel the pressure of it. You want to be able to do something that's worth it. So I was asked to come back and teach this class. So I had all kinds of pressure there. But the day of that event, I was in College Hall getting ready to go into the classroom to teach, and I was told there was a phone call for me. And that was that back in the day before you had cell phones or anything like that. So there was actually a phone hanging on the wall in College Hall. And somehow I had gotten a call. So I had to go get this call. So I go out, I get, it's Karen. She's in the hospital with our new baby named Jeremy. And the doctors were concerned because the fontanelle, which is the soft spot on the top of a baby's head, the fontanelle was opening up. They had measured the head when he was born, and then they measured it later, and it was opening up. And they were concerned. They thought it might be a tumor that was causing his head to expand. So all of a sudden, in one moment, as important as I thought up to that point, this teaching the class was, all of a sudden, that was out the window. It didn't matter a whit anymore. All I cared about was, is my son okay? What are we going to have to do to make sure that he makes it? I went ahead and I taught the class because she was in Rochester. Even if I left right then, I wouldn't have changed anything. But I taught the class, got in my car, we went back. Within a very short time, the doctors came back and said, he seems perfectly fine. The fontanelle is fine. There's no problem. There's no tumor, nothing going on. He seems fine. In that next moment, all of a sudden, all of the other pressures, all the stuff that had mattered in fear about my son went out the window, and all of a sudden, I just was grateful that he was there. Didn't care about all the rest of the stuff, just grateful that my son was okay. And how often do we live our lives fretting, worrying, anxious about things that in the end aren't like the high priorities in our life? Now, some of us are facing challenges, real challenges, real struggles. But if we keep our eyes on God and we give thanks for what he has given us and we offer it back as worship, it changes our whole perspective. It changes how we see life. Instead of allowing the world system to drive us into competition or comparison with people around us, I think we need to live grateful for what God has done for us. And that changes then our mindset about the rest of our lives, about every challenge that we face. I thought often about Judah. Uh, there's not probably a person in this church that does not pray for Judah almost daily. We want him healed. But I got to tell you, as much as I want him healed, I also, every time I go to pray, I give thanks that he's here with us, that we've had these days, these years together. I think I go back to especially one instance. Uh, it was my birthday, and uh, we had a fellowship dinner for the church. And the kids, Ashley had had the little kids make cards for me. And they brought me all these cards. And then Judah brought me his card. And he had this most impish look on his face. I mean, it was like, I've done something. You're going to love this, Pastor. I did something that's so funny. And he's looking at me, smiling. So That's how I think of Judah. So although I want him healed, I'm also grateful for every moment we've had to see the smile, to see him running around and chasing other little kids, to see him 
able to be home with mom and dad and his sisters to see life continue on. I think all of that is part of us being able to grow in God in our gratitude. So I think we all face challenges, but I'm not going to allow the challenges to determine how I view life. So when we're looking at our life, while the rest of the world wants to be negative and complain about things when nothing is good enough, I don't like the governor, I don't like the president, I don't like the congressman, all this stuff goes on. You could just go blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. It's always there. I want to live life saying I want to keep my eyes upon God and his goodness to me, not upon what the world measures. So, number one, we recognize every good thing we have comes from God. Number two, we choose to never let what we would like rob us of the blessings we already have. And number three, we're going to choose to turn every blessing we have into praise back to God. David put it this way in Psalm 103. Let all that I am, all that's within me, praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. We can choose to live negatively, always seeing what's wrong, or we can choose to see God's goodness to us. Would you stand with me? Next week, uh, God willing, I've been working hard on that. Next week, we're actually going to be looking at communion in a way that I have never done it before. I hope and pray that it will be impactful and instructive for all of us. And so I encourage you to be there. It'll be a little bit more visual. But for today, I'm going to ask you if you would just to bow your heads, close your eyes, and just take a moment and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Tell them what you're thankful for. Just give thanks to the Lord his many blessings. Offer them as praise back to him. He's been kind to you. You're here today. He's helped you in your weakness. Bless you, even with this family. Thinking about it this morning was really praying. God sets even the solitary families. You're part of us. You're never alone because He's with you. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you today and we recognize a very, very simple message. But Lord, it's easy for us to forget sometimes how good you really have been to us. We get so focused on what we don't have that we wish we did, or we see what others have. 
So, Lord, we don't want to live life that way. We want to live grateful and with hope in our hearts, positive in this world, encouraging people, being able to build up rather than tear down. Lord, cause us to be a kind of people that so live our lives positively that it becomes attractive to the world, that they say, there's something different about you. You live and work in the same place I do, but you seem to have a different attitude. Help us to live grateful for your many blessings, your kindnesses, your goodness to us. You're always good. You're always perfectly good. And everything you do is perfectly good. Lord, cause us to be a people who live with daily gratitude for your many kindnesses. We ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a good rest of your day. And